What's up everyone, Josh Cohen here with OrlandoMagic.com and MagicGaming.NBA.com and this is the first edition of what we're calling for now the Magic Gaming Podcast, although I believe Jonah, who's joining me today, uh, has some plans to make that a little bit more creative at some point, but for now we'll keep it at least fairly generic and call it the Magic Gaming Podcast. And I am joined, as I mentioned before, by Jonah, Jonah Edwards, the head coach of Magic Gaming and one of Magic Gaming's retained players, Brandon Rowdenbush, a.k.a. Toxic. Uh, how you doing, guys? Doing good, man. Doing good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And did you ever think there was going to be a time growing up playing video games that you would be sitting here, not just playing professionally, but also talking about gaming as kind of like a career, essentially? Uh, I mean, I think every day I still wake up and I'm like, man, like I'm really doing this, you know? So for me, it's still kind of like a dream, you know, it's, it's hard to really, uh, grasp that it's, it's become a reality, you know, growing up playing games my whole life, um, always, you know, being active in sports as well. And like being young, wanting to be involved in the NBA, you know, wanting to be an NBA player. That's, that was my dream as a little kid. And like now to kind of like sit in an NBA organization and be involved in NBA, or NBA organization, like through video games. It's still kind of surreal for me. So it's been definitely um, a dream for me, and I'm just kind of living in the moment. It's been great. Yeah, Jonah, I want to touch on some of the hot topics around Magic Gaming right now, one of them being a trade that was made a couple weeks ago. Uh, you guys acquired Robert May, a.k.a. May. Now, is he the only player in the league that uses his last name as a handle? I was kind of trying to look at other players that don't have any other numbers or letters with their last name in their handle. Is he the only one that keeps it that generic? Actually, I, I think he is the only one that <laughs> one of them decides to really use his real name. There yeah. you go. No, at least he's proud of his last name. You can't blame him for that. So, yeah, just to talk about the deal, you guys sent your first-round pick in 2020 to the Pistons for May. And uh, what does May bring to the table? What are his strengths, and how will he fit in with the group? Yeah, Josh, so uh, when we, we would— when we decided to make the trade, I mean, it was it was as simple as, as looking at the 14th overall pick, us saying, hey, if if Robbie was here at 14, would we for sure take him? Would he be our number one guy there? Uh, you know, if he was, uh, you know, comparing him to all the other centers across the board, uh, looking at season three, and, and I think ultimately we said yes is the answer, that we would value him higher than every other center coming in. So that kind of made the decision a little bit easier for us. Um, you know, he comes in and he's going to instantly bring a guy who, who plays the game daily, uh, grinds the game consistently. Um has crazy high NBA 2K IQ, and, and by stuff stuff like that is is kind of hard to, to judge, uh, but you will see it uh, when, when you watch. Um, he's also, in my opinion, probably the best rebounder in maybe the world. Um, that's really his strength is on the glass, and that's something that we we really like to play through and, and is really just going to be wherever I go is something we're going to really, really hammer in on is, is rebounding and defense, and those are really Robbie's strengths. So um, it was really a no-brainer for us. I think that we, we kind of walked into it. It kind of landed into our lap a little, a little bit and was based on some some rumors we had heard around the league, and, and we just kind of capitalized. Yeah, so Toxic, I want to turn it over to you. You were traded here midseason last year from the Grizzlies, and I just want to know – what was it like when you first heard that the trade was happening? What was your reaction? Now, you're from Florida, so I imagine this was kind of like a homecoming for you and you were really excited to come at least near your hometown. You're from South Florida, right? Yeah, West Palm. Yeah, so not too far. Right. So how excited were you when you found out that you were being dealt to the Magic from the Grizz? And you seem like you fit in really well. I mean, you guys went 6-3 and three in the regular season following the trade, 8-4 and four overall if you include the ticket. 
which uh, shout out to Josh Moore and Full Sail University for the job they did at the ticket. It was phenomenal. But yeah, just talk about the uh, the reaction and then the experience right after the deal. Yeah, um, for me, I think it was a little different with a lot of the players that were traded um, in the league. Um, you know, I didn't have any bad blood with Memphis. I just knew it wasn't the right fit for me. And I knew that coming to Orlando, being a place close to home, and also a guy with Jonah being the coach, it was someone that I already wanted to play for in season one. And I knew he had interest in me as well in season one. So I knew it would be a good match. Um, so for me, you know, it was kind of a waiting game, which was tough. Um, but once I got the news that I was going to be Orlando, I mean, it, I was ecstatic. I knew that they had a good team already. Um, you know, guys like DT and Reed, I knew had good personalities. And Jonah, I already knew that I could fit in right away with him and have a good relationship. And it would just be a good working environment for me all around. So I think that was like the perfect storm for me. And, um, you know, right when I got here, we noticed that. We got into practice. Our personalities all meshed. We hang out outside the game a lot, which is like, it's super important to have that. And I don't think I necessarily had that in Memphis. So to be able to have that here was super important. And that, and that showed on the court when we played how much we actually liked each other off the game as well. So it was honestly a perfect fit. And you know, I'm just super happy to be here. And knowing you're coming back to Orlando to join DT and the Rookie of the Year, Reezy, and now, of course, May, talk about the chemistry moving forward. Uh, you know, I would imagine, just like it is in any other sports league, when you have continuity and chemistry going into a year, it makes it easier to adjust to the concepts that, obviously, your coach sitting next to you, Jonah, has applied to you. So just talk about how uh, seamless that'll be as a transition going into next year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's always important, like, for any team to be able to kind of keep that core together. And I think for us, we kind of had, you know, a bad taste in our mouth to end, to end last season. We did, we did feel like we were one of the better teams ending season two, and we felt like if we did make the playoffs, we would have made it, you know, a deep run in that. So for us to be able to kind of, like, keep that core and, and give this another run and give it another shot is something I know we all wanted to do. Um, you know, I value myself here, and I'm, I'm very appreciated that they decided to bring me back and be a retained player. I look at myself as a leader. I look at someone, you know, a low-ego guy that's going to kind of keep DT and Reed in check because I know those guys are super talented young guys with a lot of talent. So I'm here to kind of just level them out and, and play my role and be the best leader I can be. So, you know, we're excited to you know, bring in a guy like May, like Jonah talked about. We knew that with the 14th pick that like that would be our guy. So to be able to get him, we're already a super defensive-minded team. I think we finished the league with number one defense in season two. So to bring in someone like you know May to have that defense with us, and, and also a great personality. He's a really chill kid. You know I know he'll fit in with us. So to be able to bring that guy into the core that we already have is going to be super exciting going into season three. Yeah, and Jonah, the Orlando Open, the first annual version of it just wrapped up, and obviously you were all over that watching all of the action, scouting all the talent. Uh, what did you see from that pool of players? I know you guys selected Moon and FTW as the two uh, draft recipients. They'll automatically be qualified for the 2020 draft. But just talk about the talent pool and why you selected those two to be selected. Yeah, so going into the tournament, we decided initially to have the first several rounds be best of one, which is not really something that's typical in the NBA 2K community. We try to keep games best of three, best of fives uh, series, but we wanted a little volatility. So I think I saw even maybe more volatility than than we had anticipated, which is good. I think um, <clears throat> it, it gave a lot of the, the guys that maybe weren't as weren't as um, acclimated to the to the moment, you know, a chance to kind of shine. And and I think that. For example, the team that won Show No Mercy. Uh, you know, I've known Moon a long time, actually. I think him and I used to play against each other back in, like, 2K12, uh, really that long ago. Uh, so he's been around the scene forever, but has never really, I don't know, never really found his, his footholding kind of, like, in, in the league. So, um, 
you know, I was I was thrilled to be able to give him one of the spots, and he, in my opinion, was a tournament MVP. He played out of his mind. I think you know, especially late in games. I was saying all along that I thought the Shona Mercy was the best fourth quarter team in the league or in the tournament, and that was just based on the fact that FTW was able to to get big threes down the stretch, and then Moon was able to get get a few baskets down the stretch in every single game. So, um, but overall, yeah, I think the talent was great. Um, the turnout was awesome. We had a, a, over 128 teams sign up. We actually had a wait list uh, for 128 teams uh, signing up for the tournament, which is which is awesome. Um, I think, in my I think, my opinion, probably the the best ran tournament any team has has hosted, and I think that's the most entries any team has gotten. So, um, we we thought we think that it was it was a massive success for us, and and yeah, FTW and Moon both both very well deserving, and several guys that I think you know I, I was almost upset. I was sick to my stomach having to make yeah, the decision because. Yeah, yeah, there was a guy from the zoo, their point guard, a walking bucket, uh, the, guy, the team that lost in the finals, and I thought that he was just as deserving as the other two and just came down to the point that, you know, it was almost a coin toss. We, we decided to go FTW instead of walking bucket just based on the fact that his team won the games, and, and at the end of the day, that, that's what we valued. So, Right now, the uh, draft qualifiers are going on, and if you guys can just kind of paint the picture of what that's all about, for those that are unfamiliar with the process, you can find some of the information on the NBA 2K League website, but you guys have firsthand knowledge of what goes on in the background. So I'll start with Toxic, since you've been a part of it recently. Uh, what exactly happens during the draft qualifiers, and what do you have to do to uh, meet the expectations in order to uh, be eligible for the draft? Yeah, um, for me, season one, it was different than what it is now, I believe. But for right now, um, from what I know, is you have to play 50 games and you have to have a 50 win percentage to qualify for the combine within about a, I think it's a two or three week time span. I think it ends on November 10th. Correct. So yeah, you have to play 50 games and win 50% of those games to then qualify to the combine, which should be sometime next month until where you'll go into the combine, um, you'll search, you'll get you know random teammates and you'll play for about a month. They'll take all your analytics from all your games and from there cut it down to the, the whole draft process and then stuff like that. But um. For me, you know, luckily I don't have to do it this year. But when I did, um, it, it's definitely a grind. You know, you got to get in fifty games. You got to you got to make sure um, you're you're winning your games too. But um, for me, you know, you just get in there, play your game, have fun, qualify, and then just go into it with a, with an open mind and do what you can and do your best, and then leave it all on the floor and see what happens. Yeah, and as a coach, Jonah, what are you looking for in this process? I know for you, it's probably one of the most important times of the year, making sure you narrow down the field, and when the draft comes, you have great knowledge of all the different eligible players. Yeah, so uh, you know, in the combine, it's it's a little difficult to judge talent in the combine. It absolutely is, just based on the fact that there is a bit of luck involved, right? I mean, you you, you don't get to choose your teammates. Um, so sometimes you some players will have better teammates than others, and and I think there's a certain element of that in, involved. But um, you know, I think the the most important thing, and people ask me this all the time, what is the thing I need to work on in the combine? And and there are a few things, but I think the most important thing is decisiveness, kind of knowing what you want to do before you do it. Mm-hmm. I think being able to make those tough decisions in game. Um, you know, there's so many things like there's a certain element of selfishness you need to have, but also, you know, understanding that when you have great teammates, you work with them. You know, wins are ultimately more important than anything else, any other statistic uh, that, that are, is in the metric at all. So, um, you know, I, th- I think that, uh, you know, uh, to put it in perspective too, I mean, the, the first two seasons, um, the season one had 72,000 players in the combine. Season two had 7,200 because they made a, the process much more rigorous with 100 wins at a 50% win percentage uh, in season two as opposed to just 50 wins total in season one. 
uh, we're back. We're back to 50 wins with a 50% win percentage now. So kind of mixing the two there. And, and I think we'll see more people in the combine and also just, just more qualified people again. And I think that, um, you know, I expect the combine to be, you know, a little better than, than season one, but, but probably just about, about even to what season two was where, you know, you can, you can judge a little bit of the talent. Uh, but ultimately like my, my perspective is I want to see you against the best in the world. I don't want to see you against, you know, a guy who's, who's playing in his living room on a 50 inch TV. I want to see you in tournaments where money's on the line. Um, so that was what I would encourage everybody is find, find ways to get in front of me that aren't the combine as well. Um, but, but I'm absolutely watching the combine and I, I value that, that footage as well. So I'm going to throw a few questions out to both of you and you guys give, you know, brief answers or just a small explanation as to why you give these particular answers. And I'll start off with the question of who is the biggest trash talker in the league or at least the league last year. I mean, I think I'm a little biased with this answer. Go ahead. I'll say Mel East from the Celtics. That's who I was thinking, by the way, yeah, when you before you answered. I'm like, I have a feeling he might be at least an answer for one of you guys. <laughs> and like for me, like the only reason I answer that is because I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty like Jonah knows. I'm a pretty calm, chill guy. Like I'm, I'm worried about my team. I'm worried about min- winning. I don't really get mixed up with like the trash talk. But he was the one person who kind of got me like got under my skin this year and got me up in stage and kind of out of character and and kind of like in a yelling match back and forth. So like I, I would definitely say Mel East for me. Yeah, Josh, I know you you probably noticed early in the season, especially when we had Kelmav, like I would literally sit him down in the chair. Like I try not <laughs> yeah. to let my team feed into the trash talking if I can help it at all. Yeah. Um I let DT go a little bit sometimes, but um I would say I'm gonna go with Mama I'm that man from the Blazers. His is um, his trash talk's a little different though. He has a different element of to a trash talk. It's not really as much trash talking as as much joking with you the whole time. But and I think that it really gets under people's skins, uh, more so than like just general like, hey, like you're not very good at the yeah. game. Instead he's like laughing at how bad you yeah. are. And it's almost like a different kind of slap to the face. So and it also hurts that he's the league MVP and is one of the best players in the world. So him doing that is is it is pretty funny. I, I enjoy watching him a lot. So Hardest player to game plan for? Which opponent just is like, man, this is going to be a tough guy to cover this night? That's yeah. a hard answer. Like. I'm going to go with Ofab from the Celtics. Yeah. And that's just because, like, he attacks you in so many different ways and elements. He can be, you know, he can lead, you know, he was second in the league in scoring. He's first in the league in assists. Um, so, you know, he can definitely fill up the stat sheet in multiple ways. And I think he's an elite player defensively out of the corner as well. And he's, he's, he moves bizarrely like he doesn't dribble he doesn't like he doesn't do dribble moves he moves with his left stick primarily and I think that it's something that a lot of people have issues with and something that we talk about a lot in in preparation for him yeah I mean the first person that comes to my mind I would say radiant but like we 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 defend radiant pretty well so I would definitely like agree with Jonah with like a fab or like a a mama I'm that man type player they they, their movement is just not similar to a lot of the the point guards They, they know how to get to their spots even if it's not in the fanciest way and if they're not beating you scoring, they're just beating you with making the right plays and right passes. So it's hard to game plan for that because you're so focused on those guys. They you know they're averaging 20 plus points a game, so you try to shut down their scoring, and then they find ways to beat you in other avenues. So like those two guys, to me, are probably the the one two hardest to game plan for. Yeah, in a way, it's almost like they're also the opposite too. Sometimes because yeah. we just expect them to put up crazy numbers. So a lot of right. times we'll just say, "Hey, let him score. Let him be the one to beat us." His teammates don't do anything. You got to show me you can score 70, 60, whatever to to beat us. So sometimes that's a game plan. We don't we don't like doing that, but we do that against the Sixers almost. We I definitely want, don't like that. We want the pick and roll to score. Toxic, of course, as our primary lockdown defender, um, does not want to see the point guard score. But <laughs> but we we definitely like talk about that 
lot. Like, yeah. hey, sometimes we're just going to give you what you want. That way, that way, when we when we take other things away, and you're all of a sudden you don't want to take these twos anymore, you don't get the threes in the corners, you don't get the threes in the, threes in the wing. All of a sudden, you might be out of your element a little bit. Most memorable game so far of your careers, obviously Jonah as coach, Toxic as player. Is there a particular game performance that stands out so far? I mean, both of you guys have been a part of both years of the NBA 2K League. Is there is there any uh, game or moment that uh, just kind of rises above the rest? Yeah, I, I can give you two, and both of them include Jonah. <laughs> um, season one, when I was with the Cavaliers, we played Jonah in the, the turn the or ticket. the ticket. The ticket. And it was basically like a dimes versus Hood. Hood ended up putting up like 52. Dimes had 50. It was just a, like a barn burner back and forth, crazy game. Mavs ended up missing a shot at the end to, to win the game, and, and Hood ended up like – it was just a crazy game. So for me, that game for season one. And season two – uh, definitely the ticket um, against the Grizzlies. Um, you know, my first time playing a tournament in Florida, representing the Magic, playing my old team. There was a lot of bad blood between, you know, Kel, Mav, DT, a lot of trash talk. I had all my family there, my friends there. The crowd was electric. It was super loud, tons of energy. We came out, like, playing great. And it, it was just a super um, energetic game and one that I would definitely remember from Season 2. Yeah, I would say from season two, that was for me the most memorable game as well as against the Grizzlies. I just remember like being out of my element. I've never felt that way in a game and, and across, you know, I think I've coached probably almost 30 games mm-hmm. now. Um, it's the game I felt the most out of my element by easily, not even close. And that was due to the crowd, the noise, the energy. And it was also at 11, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. A couple of games have been running late. So we were super late at night and and also just the trash talk with, with Kel Mav. And then I remember that was when we really – we had been working on running five out going into that game, and we had been doing a little bit in the league. But when we got to the ticket, we were really, really killing the five out. So we, Reed got to the point, and there's a, a really great picture of him where he's like literally standing up holding up a five. Because and we all were doing it, all six of us, uh, the five guys playing, and then me behind him, like literally holding up a five because we were all calling five out, which is like not something that the 2K league has happened very mm-hmm. often. So, um, and then from season one, I remember. We played the Celtics when I was with the Mavs, um, and that was a big deal because I had the number one pick back in Dallas, and we had picked Dimes, and the number two overall pick was O'Fab. Um, and we were down 20 points at halftime and actually came back and beat them in, in a tournament game, and that actually you know, uh, elevated us out of the group stage and them to, to lose the group stage, and that was just one of those games that I remember like looking back on like, holy cow, how did we even do this? Like I watched the film, and I still don't understand how we pulled it off, but um, definitely some, some great moments there. All right, so final question before we wrap this uh, podcast up. First video game you guys ever played, from your recollection, how old were you? What system was it for? Any any memories? Yeah, I, I, I had a an old school like NES. I mean, I, I, that may not be old school to you, Josh, right? Uh, <laughs> no, that was like the prime of my youth, I guess. Yeah, no, no, I, I remember very clearly. Yes, absolutely. I, I remember like playing Duck Hunt and stuff. Yeah, I was, I remember- you know what? That was the game. I was thinking myself what my my first video game was, and it might have been Duck. I mean, it was either Duck Hunt or Super Mario Brothers because they came on the same cartridge, so yeah, had to be one or the other. Yeah, I remember playing. I used to play Super Mario Brothers, right? And I, I actually played with the controller upside down, and I would still like beat stages pretty easily. And that was when like my family was like, "Holy, like what what is going on? Like, how is he actually doing this backwards?" Um, and of course, like I mean, it's just you know, I was a kid, so you just you learn like a sponge, so it doesn't matter anyway. But um, but I remember like the first game I think I ever took seriously too was like. NBA Live 09, I think, was like the first game I, I played, started playing. I was ranking up the leaderboard and I was winning all the time. And I was thinking to myself, like, I'm actually good at a video. Like, I didn't realize, like, it never really had taken grasp with me that, like, I'm actually really good at this. So, 
yeah, but those are the those are the moment, ones I remember. Yeah, for me, I don't remember like the first. I think the first game I like ever played. I mean, like probably like Goldeneye, like. That's a Nintendo sixty four. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, with my yeah, friends yeah. like in the neighborhood. That was popular when yeah, this I came remember, out. I remember yeah. playing that. Like, but then like really like I remember the first like when I really like started to dive into gaming and like play it nonstop was Halo One. Okay. Um, I used to go over to my friends' houses and hook up you know our Xboxes across the rooms and land and and just play Halo One two v twos all night. And then I remember after that Halo Two had come out, and that was like the first online. Xbox, like original Xbox online game, like multiplayer game, and I just yep. fell in love with that and like ended up just getting so drawn into Halo, doing that for a while, playing professional Halo, and that was like the first game where like I just was full-blown like a Halo fanatic. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I got to think a little bit more about, I'm pretty sure Duck Hunt was mine, but at the same time, it could have been Super Mario Bros. I actually thought maybe it was Sonic the Hedgehog because I had a Sega Genesis as I feel well. I like everyone, like, so everyone has Super Mario Brothers and like yeah. Brothers, you know? I mean, at that time when you first got the Nintendo, it came with that cartridge, it was and inevitably that was going to be the first game someone played. I mean, I guess they could have gotten a a, a game with their system, but uh, likelihood is that they just used the uh, initial cartridge with the Duck Hunt and the Super Mario Brothers uh, as uh, you know the only game they were playing at, at least initially. But uh, anyways, so this was the uh, first edition of, again, I think we're going to rename this, but the Magic Gaming Podcast. The plan is to do these monthly up until the start of the season, and then once the season is underway, we're probably going to do these weekly. So uh, stay tuned for all that. Hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, this initial edition, and stay tuned for more podcasts. See you guys.